You are listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 191, for the week of April 1st, 2016. You are listening to the podcast of Ice and Fire. This is Amin. And this is Kyle. What you're about to listen to is one of our podcasts, which was recorded in 2008, right now, eight years ago. And Kyle and I, we'd just like to give you a little information here before we go on. First of all, when the podcast was first recorded, A Dance of Dragons wasn't released, and the TV show had not come out yet. So keep those things in mind when you listen. If you've watched the show and then you're coming to us now, the first episode may not be the best place to start. If you're interested in hearing the comparison between the two, you might want to jump into a later episode. Yeah, I mean, I'd recommend, like, the guys' night out or the girls' night out. You know, just keep in mind, you don't have to start from the start. Pretty much all the episodes have spoilers for all the books, so uh, if you haven't heard that already, stop and read the books first, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, really. And if you're interested in guest hosting on the podcast, if you hear something about the podcast that makes you happy, angry, or you just want to scream, come check the forums. Post there to let us know. We always like feedback. I am recording right now. Awesome. I guess I should start then. You are listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, episode one, for the week of March 16th. This is a brand new podcast concerning A Song of Ice and Fire series by George R.R. R. Martin. My name is Chris Shrinka. I am one of the hosts of this podcast. Ultimately, this is a breakdown and discussion of the series of books that we all really enjoy. Basically, brought down to kill time to be between now and the release of a Dance with Dragons, which is hopefully sometime next fall. God give George strength to finish writing by the end of spring. I guess we should just start with introductions. I got started, <clears throat> I got started with the series about six months ago, where I first read The Game of Thrones. I found out about it off the internet, off a site called Something Awful. It's an internet comedy website, but has very active forums, something like 100,000 users. And they have a book forum, and I discovered this. Always been a fan of fantasy, but never read anything by George R. R. Martin. Picked it up, immediately enjoyed it. I'm a salesperson by trade. I'm 33 years old. I think I'm one of the older people of the group, and that's about all I can think of uh, to share about myself. Mimi, would you like to go next? Okay, hello. My name is Mimi. I live in Texas. I'm currently a college student graduating in May with a degree in biology. I was the one who decided we had to have this podcast because I can't stop talking about the series, which is what I'm doing to while away the time until Dance with Dragons finally comes out. I discovered the series last year over spring break. A friend gave me a copy to read during my flight, and I've been hooked ever since. I've read each book way too many times, and I've listened to all the audiobooks way too many times. So I'm defaulting to project all my Song of Ice and Fire knowledge into this podcast. Ashley? Hi, I'm Ashley. I started reading the books over a year ago. I love fandom. I like to read the message board a lot and the life journals. I'm just a big reader. I'm 24 years old from Toronto, Ontario, um, and that's about it. Amin? Hi, my name is Amin. I'm a college student in Canada. I read the books around the same time that Storm of Swords came out. I've read fantasy before, but since reading Martin, I can't read any other fantasy anymore. It just does not match. I've read some other books as well, and he's truly a master of all genres. And I look forward to participating in this podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm in the exact middle of nowhere in Iowa. I'm 22. I'm a university student. Let me think. Uh, I found the book somewhere about eight months ago. Not a huge fantasy fan, but I love the series. There's just so much to be said. I think I'd be preaching to the choir for anybody listening to this podcast. With that, I don't know what else to add. All right. In the realm of news, it's our beloved author, not a blog, 
His la- has a lab journal. There's little in the realm of Dance of Dragons updates per usual. Uh, earlier this month, George did confirm legitimacy of Phantom Spectra's book cover release on the Amazon website, all the while addressing the release dated as September 30th as made of hope and vapor. He's an eloquent one. He did share the fact that he is shooting for a June finish line, and it seems like sort of another show of his famous deadline optimism, I think. But he says that if he does if he does finish by the middle of June, it should be released around the fall. Dance will have limited illustration edition done by the artist Mark Fishman and published by Subterranean Press. So if you're a premium limited edition holder, you get first priority in the waiting line for the illustrated Dance with Dragons. In the world of series-related products, Valerian Resins has updated their MySpace blog with photos of factory sample busts they received for their first line of A Song of Fice and Fire resins. Their samples are Sandor Clegane with and without his hound helmet, the very intense-looking Eddard Stark with ice, or with his chain of office, and Daenerys Targaryen in two Corthian gowns and crown options, I guess. Yes, the left breast is bare, but it's covered by her hair. So if you want to check the photos out or visit the blog, it's myspace.com slash resin. And that's about it for the realm of relevant Song of Ice and Fire news. Let me add one more thing to that. If anyone else is interested in the extended short stories concerning The Hedge Knight, The Hedge Knight 2, The Swan Sword, a comic book series just released five month, um, just released number five this month as well. So if you want to get sort of an extended history of the universe, that's also out there for you. I've seen those comic books and they're quite good, compared to the rest of the comics I'm reading, actually. Yeah, I really like the Hedge Knight. I bought uh, the full set with all the issues put together in the hardcover. I bought that. It's beautiful. It really does sort of clue you in on a lot of things with the history of the houses. It's really great. I haven't seen any of the Soren Sword stuff yet. I read the short story, but I haven't seen the graphic novel. So I'm waiting for the whole thing to come out. It'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm waiting to be not four, but I feel like that might be a very long time, so... Yeah, yeah, but did you guys look at the resin busts? Yeah, we did. Well, I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty cool. My only complaint is I always imagined Sandra looking far more hideously scarred, like balding on one side. But I think they're pretty high quality. I especially like the Ned ones. Looks really kind of ominous in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Ned looks really good. I mean, this is all in contrast to the other miniatures, which makes Cersei and Jaime's faces look like they're melting. But I think the busts are really high quality. And actually, I really love the way uh, Dany looks in hers. Pretty much captures the essence of her character. She looks young. I think they're done real well. But again, yeah... Sandor turned out a lot hotter than I assumed he would be, which is good for Ashley, I know. I wonder why they went with the quarf-style dresses. Maybe it's the exposed breast. Because they're hot! (laughs) 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 Danny looks good. I really like hers. Yeah. The only one I don't like is Sandor Clegane without his helmet. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a picture, but his head looks like it's about two t- sizes smaller than it should be. Doesn't he sort of look like Alec Baldwin or something? <laughs> I don't like it. Um, yeah, I just don't like what he looks like. Yeah, I think the helmet one is better, but you you don't see what he looks like, so it fits everyone's... I think he looks too old myself. I mean, he's only, what, 27, 28? Because you've done the math. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a fan girl. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's about it. Also, George updated his lab journal today to talk about how he no longer wants to update his lab journal, and that was spurred by his fellow fantasy author Robin Hobb. She made a rant about the dangers of authors succumbing to blogging instead of actively writing. So that really hit close to home, and he should. Update his blog less often. And about 12 hours later, he made an update about football. So, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) William Gibson did the same thing. (laughs) I don't think that the end of his blog is coming anytime soon. But I think you should turn off commenting on it. Because I think the vultures are like, are you done with the book yet? Are you 
are really getting to him. So, yeah, that's, that's about as far as it goes. So I guess we can launch right into the discussion. Today, for our debut episode, we're going to look at the houses that actively participate in Martin's Game of Thrones, the game itself, not, not the book. Uh, there's a lot of major houses and minor houses, but I think we want to focus on some of the biggest ones and discuss how they factor into the Game of Thrones, as well as discussing their mottos and key players and directions I think they're going to be taking in the future books. So we'll open up right now, and do, and do you have one of the biggest players is obviously the Starks. So do you guys have any thoughts? I guess I'll start. What I find interesting is the Starks pretty much are the only house left that can trace the origin back to the first men. Man, first men. Which, I don't know, I find that really interesting. Well, it's not entirely. I don't want to call you out on it or anything, but a lot of the northern houses have blood of the first men in them. It's named a lot in the... A number of houses are named like that in the game, the game of Thrones book. They often claim this person's always strong. Starks is definitely strongest. Yeah, strongest. But a number of the northern houses can trace their blood back to the first men. Yeah, the Karstarks are one of them, right? Yeah, that. And I think the Umbers have giant blood in them, at least based off of what they've described. The Great John. <laughs> well, that's why you like the Umbers. Mm-hmm. I love the Umbers. I love the Great John. <laughs> I've heard rumours of the Boltons have other blood in them because they're pale. Oh, creepy. They might have other blood, but I mean, they can have a trace of some of their... Boltons are really interesting northern house to me, just because they're so odd odds compared to other houses. Creepy? Yeah, really fucking creepy. You think of the northern houses, you I almost always think Viking style, you know? They're almost a little bit less civilized than the southern ones, but the Boltons almost seem like the weird twisted southern house to me. That's the twist feeling I get. There's more kin to the Lannisters than the Starks. Yeah, well, we know that. Mandalays, for example, have southern origin. So other houses could have a southern origin, too. Can you expand on that? What do you mean I didn't really catch? Where did you get that? House Manly is from... Um, it's sort of an obscure point, but I think they were originally in the Riverlands, which are in the south, and somehow they ended up north. Oh, where? I might be wrong on that, but I think that's the theory about it, anyway. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm not really big on the northern houses. I don't really follow them really well. All I know is that the Boltons are creepy. But I think they'll really factor into the rest of the series. I think they're going to be real important players, mostly because of the bastard. Do you think it's important to note which houses are of Andalish origins versus the ones that are of the first main origin? Because isn't that where the breakdown sort of occurs? Yeah, I think so. Historically speaking, there's a big difference, but actually I'm not that well versed on my Westeros history, so I'm not really sure. I just know that the North, they're descended from the First Men, and King's Landing and below, they have Andal origins, right? Yeah, and different gods with that too. Oh yeah, definitely. The origin of the Seven is Andalish religion. I don't know, I mean, you probably know more about this just having played the games. Don't the games go more into detail on that? Well, not so much their origin. I'm the one that brought it up, but I think it doesn't really mean what the origin is. I think that Andal or First Men or whatever, they have certain... Like, the Starks have gained the loyalty of most of the Northern Houses over the realm. That makes sense. Alright, so what do you guys think of the Stark motto, Winter is Coming? Do you think that sums up the house pretty well? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Very ominous. Yeah, definitely. Humorless. <laughs> Catelyn points out pretty early, all the other houses have jests and happy and overly proud words. Yeah, all the all the other models are very proud. Those, uh, you know, and the Stark one is so somber. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, well, winter's coming, so you're all screwed. Yeah, everyone's going to get fucked, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very ominous. Do you guys do you guys know if the Boltons have a motto? Let's look at that. Look, let's look it up. Let's see if they do. It's skin clothing is better than silk or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> creepy. How about the joys of flaying? 
<laughs> Pretty much. So what's even creepier in that? Their coat of arms is red on pink. That, to me, the choice of pink just kind of creeps me out. The whole idea that Bolton Slade's man is riding a pink. I just imagine this hot pink. <laughs> played with this dying played red man yeah I don't know the red and the pink and things and... I don't think it's neon pink <laughs> <laughs> Richard Simmons in his hot pants with that coat of arms yeah <laughs> it is not as sexy as you guys are making it out to be I'm looking at the rendering on the tower of the hand and it's got like blood drops on the back that looks like Leonardo da Vinci's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the fan. What? What is it? It's perfectly. The the Vitruvian. Yeah. Oh, except he has no skin. <laughs> uh. You can turn those little teardrops into hearts. Yeah. <laughs> except they're not teardrops, are they? Well, they look like blood drops, which would be apt for a man without skin. Yeah, that would be apt. <laughs> I've got just this neon in my mind, this bright pink neon thing with this red man on it. I don't know. <laughs> I can say one thing from the games is they revolted against the Starks once, and they took four years to take the Dreadfort by siege. They had to starve them out, and they couldn't storm it. <laughs> oh, so they've turned on the Starks before. Makes sense, Trixie Bastards. Moving on a little farther south, obviously Starks, the biggest confrontation in Game of Thrones, comes with Lannisters, who seem like they've got the biggest grasp on the Seven Kingdoms up until, I guess, up until Feast for Crows. Uh, it looks like they're backsliding a bit as far as control goes. What do you guys think about Lannisters as far as a house? Do you think they're doomed? No, I don't think they're doomed. I think Jamie Lannister. Probably got sus, you ought to... Jamie Lannister is actually becoming, I think, a more uh, potential person instead of some sort of cardboard cut-out stereotype, as he kind of started out, out as in Game of Thrones. Yeah, but I don't think Jamie has it in him to rule. I think if anyone could have filled that role, it would have been Tyrion as far as playing the Game of Thrones. Well, he's not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, but... I feel like his allegiance to Lannister is gone. He killed his father. He hates his sister. Now he hates his brother. I'm pretty sure he's out of the family photos. Does he hate Jamie? Yeah, yeah, he hates Jamie because Jamie told him the truth that he totally made up the story of Tasha. You know? Yeah, but I don't think he... He forgave Jamie for that a long time ago. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. He forgave Jamie and he loved Jamie based on what they refer to as a kindness that Jamie never did, which he thought that Jamie had bought him a whore, basically, and it turned out that Jamie just made up the whole story. Tasha was actually a crofter's daughter and that the whole thing was Tywin's sick idea. So when Jamie confesses at the end of Storm of Swords, Tyrion actually, like, he punches him, right? He, he flips out and he's like, I killed your son, you asshole. So I don't think I think his ties are severed with Jamie there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I still think Jamie has potential for redeeming Bannisters as a name. I mean the whole. I mean it all starts with Tywin and ends with Cersei. I mean she's a messed up person obviously, but Tyrion and Jamie are to me very interesting characters. I almost root for them. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I think Kevin has his head on straight too. Oh, that's true. I think he can do a lot to repair some of the damage. Then. That too, yeah, you're right. He's a great guy. But I don't know if his interests really lie with the Lannister name anymore. I feel like since Tywin's death, he he just feels defeated. He tells he tells Cersei he just wants to go home, and Lancel obviously does not have the Lannister pride. He's just gone off the deep end as far as piety goes. I really feel like the Lannisters lost their foothold in the Game of Thrones. Like I think they'll be overshadowed eventually. But by who, though? Well, the Martells, for one. I think they're up to no good. They're one of my favorite houses, and I know through Feast of Crows, the Martell chapters are boring, and a lot of people really didn't get into them. But just the fact that Doran Martell has been planning and plotting all along, it just makes me makes for some interesting controversy. I, I think he definitely still is holding on to that grudge against Lannisters, and it's going to play out. 
I just wish the Martells were... I don't think you're really going to go up until... I don't think they're going to make a bit of a power until Danny gets there. Well, do you think... It wasn't really clear on this. Like, Do you, do they support her bid, or are they trying to... Yeah, Doran's son's gone over to try and win Danny. Quentin? Yeah, Quentin. Yeah, and I'm, I know they he'd originally tried to marry his daughter to Viserys before that fool got crowned. I don't know if they were trying to get in on power or if they were trying to form an alliance. Uh, are, are we talking about House Martell and we can say they're unbowed, unbent, unbroken? It just <laughs> fits them so well. They were the only house that was not forced into the Targaryen rule. Like conquest, you have oh, to honey, be married. Oh, honey, I think that's pronounced Targaryen. Targaryen. Mm. Targaryen, right? Targaryen. Right? Yeah. Like like conquest, you have to be married until maybe you're willing to come back with the Targaryen again. But otherwise, they might want independence. Also, Oberyn was a pretty badass character. I I like yeah. him a lot. Yeah. I was really disappointed with the twist with his fighting against Gregor. Oh, it sucked to see him die, but that was a great scene. Yeah, that's what pissed me off. Why did he have to die? I wanted him to come out on top of... <laughs> the alliance? <laughs> yeah, maybe, but the whole fight was really exciting. His character was very Machiavellian. Yeah, that's true, definitely. I think the Martells are a great house. They just, they've been so quiet for whole... For all this time just plotting, and I think that's brilliant, honestly. I hope good things happen for him. I was going to say House Toral also. Yep. <laughs> They're another one of those kind of dark horse houses that they've kind of been in the background, but you know that something's really going to come up with them. They're planning stuff, especially with Marjorie. Yeah, what are their words again? How's this been landscape too? Is it the Reach? They're growing mm. strong. Growing strong, that's what I was going to say. It's very apt because they are. They're wardens of the South, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think something important is going to happen there. I'm not really sure. I think they're the key player there is uh, Olena, am I right? Is that the grandmother? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Queen of Thorns. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's pretty badass, to be honest. I like her a lot. I think that little thing I was probably setting him up though. Really, you think? I think he's putting them in power, but since he knows about the whole plot, that when he wants them out of the way, he can easily... By the way, she killed Joffrey. Well, that's assuming that the jo- Tyrells did kill Joffrey. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the assumption there is Peter is telling the truth. Which he very may, may well have just manipulated Olena into going along with the plot, which actually makes perfect sense, but I take everything he says with a huge grain of salt. Loris is very fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> Loris. What happens there? I don't think he's going to die, to be honest. Is he horribly disfigured? Yeah. So, you should be pretty into him then. <laughs> yeah, he's already horribly disfigured. He's burned pretty badly. From the description, it sounded worse than the Hound. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Do you think they're going to get together? Him and the Hound? The Hound and Loras? Yeah. Loras said the sun has set for him, so it doesn't really matter anymore. This isn't, huh? you know, the sun has set. That, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Well, but well, now he's got someone who can identify with him, you know. I don't think he'll be beautiful any longer, but it would be real interesting if he was the new POV that's coming up in Dance of Dragons. He no longer has his good friend Renly, and he's lost his looks. What is poor Loras going to do? Well, he's still a good fighter, right? I mean, unless he's horribly maimed. Well, he took a lot of arrows, didn't he? I think it said he took about two or three in the shoulder and the thigh or something. Hmm. Yeah, that can screw you up. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, John took an arrow in the leg, from what I remember, and he recovered from that pretty well. Tyrion got half his face chopped off, and he was fine. <laughs> but he doesn't need his face, though. <laughs> 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 Made him look even better. Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, so Tyrell, definitely. Any thoughts on House Tully? 
or Tulay or Tully? Tully's man. <laughs> Tully's uh, coffee. Come on. Oh, okay. Tully. Any thoughts on the Tully family? Is there a house Tully anymore? Family duty honor. Edmure, he's a bright young boy. Everybody hates Edmure from what I can surmise. Oh, I can't really blame Edmure. He made a mistake, but, you know, they didn't tell him what was up. So, you know, he's just out of the loop. It wasn't his fault. Currently, Edmure is being held by the Freeze, right? He's a hostage. Yeah. The black flesh is. And he's escaped. I don't remember dead. No, no, he just escaped. No, he's fleeing. Yeah. That's better, so the blackfish is pretty awesome too. I like him. I always forget about that tiny detail when Jamie takes over. Where are they? They're at River Run, right? River Run, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're sieging River Run and the Blackfish escapes. Uh, I always forgot about that little detail because I'm trying to wonder where he's going to go from there. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he head off to hang out with Peter and little Robert. He's got a lot of support there. Like, all the nobles surely don't like Pattaya, but they like him because he's there for so long. I don't know. He'll probably go to the wall or something. Yeah, the house is pretty much dead almost, though. You have Edmure, who's basically being held by their, their arch enemies. Yeah, but I think they snuck out the... Yeah, the way that they actually say it, they're, you know, likely to die. They're, you know... Um, Jane. Yeah, poisoning him. You know, he'll survive uh, through the war. Yeah, maybe. What What are you going to say, Ashley? Um, I think they snuck out Jane. Jane. Jane Westerling? Yeah, but isn't she Lannister blood? Well, that house used to be from the Lannisters. I feel like their house has an allegiance to the Lannisters, but... I really feel like she's genuine. She had a good connection with Rob and really loved him. Her parents have succumbed to Lannister rule, but I don't think that she necessarily feels the same way. I, I think the mom was playing it. I don't think that she was sincere when she was acting a total bitch. Really? Like, sneak her out because, yeah, well, Jane that went out with Jamie was um, had thin hips and the one that Caitlin saw had burning hips. Interesting. I didn't catch that at all. That's just the kind of detail that Martin puts into his thoughts. So, here's a question. Was it ever confirmed that she was not pregnant? Do we know what the deal is on her as far as her pregnancy, or if she was pregnant? Because that would be huge. The mom said they gave her moon tea and all that, but I think the mom is just planning on being a bitch. Unless, you know... Yeah, that would actually make a lot of sense if that's what happened. If she wanted to protect her life... You're not going to see that she's carrying the air. The guy who rose up against the true king thought that he'd be the wise. So if if she wanted to protect her life, you're not going to see that she's carrying the air. The guy who rose up against the true king thought that he'd be the wise thing to do as a mother. Yeah, I never really factored that idea. I That would be really awesome. Let's talk about the freeze. Oh, yay. That might take all night. <laughs> do they, first off, do they have a motto that's been shared? I don't have my other books. I only um, have Game of Thrones with me right now. Let me check it out. I'm sure it appears in, in one of the others, though, because they rise in prominence in the latter half of the book, especially after the Red Wedding. For some reason, my internet is dying. I remember seeing a motto for them. Mine too. I'm clicking on Hal's Bray desperately. It's we screw everybody. <laughs> Pretty much. It seems like universally everybody loves the phrase. Not because of them being backstabbers and although as part of it, it seems like the phrase in general are incompetent. At least that's how they seem to be portrayed in. Yeah, with backstabbing, that's a That's a big thing, right? Yeah, that was big, yeah. Huge, huge fail. That is true. Yeah, bread and salt, guessed right. Anybody really know what that is? Is that something that's made up in this book? Or is that standard fantasy thing? 
because I've seen that carried over to other. Historical? Yeah, I think that's a history thing. Well, can someone go into more detail? You don't screw over a guest. Because that's always... What's that? Uh, I don't know it completely, but it's... um. If someone's a guest, they're a guest. That's a big deal. Is there a significance with the bread and salt, though? Because I can get the bread, but I don't get the salt. Is it bread and cheese? I don't know. There's one historic example when the Solomon captured... I can't remember the night, but uh, you have to the water of the king, not to the knight, because he could drink the water. He became a guest, so he didn't kill him. There are other examples, but I can't think of them. Interesting. Okay, well, you guys remember that north of the wall, that also factored in when they killed Craster. The the traitors of the Nightwatch turned on Craster and killed him, and they were guests technically, although Craster was less than a desirable host, I think. So do they get punished for that? Does that foreshadow anything? One star. <laughs> yeah, they all ended up Bates later, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, the others came soon after that, didn't they? No, White. Pretty much. Well, that was what... Because that's what I... Well, that was what Mormont was killed, I remember, and obviously Sam got away from that. No, but I thought after they escaped, I mean Sam escaped, he was attacked by whites. I thought the whites were from Craster's house as opposed to, what was the mountain cult? I don't remember. The Fist of the First... The Fist of the First Man. Yeah, the First... Fist of the First Men. I could be wrong, of course. That's just how I'm remembering it. So the Whites are going to come back and totally fuck the phrase? Is that what we're saying? I mean, the phrase are going to get their due. I hope so. How did we... Yeah, that was a bit of a tangent. There we were talking about the phrase. Sorry, and... that was... Yeah, I was just... That was just an example of violating guest rat. Right, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. That was a serious... I always took that as a very serious... It's like oath-breaking, but worse almost. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to know if there were was any significance historically or not. And I guess you guys answered that question. But no, I don't think anybody likes the phrase. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving on, let's look at the Greyjoys then. And I know you guys might not necessarily like the Greyjoys as much as I do, but I definitely think that they're interesting. I mean, obviously they're going to intersect with the Targaryens, Targaryens, because this is what the Iron Captain is on his way to do. They're making a serious bid for the throne. I mean, obviously they had Balon, and then that didn't work out, and they crowned Euron. And I think he's setting his sights on conquering everything, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, can we just backtrack on them for just for just, for just one minute, okay? I just, I just want to see. Do you guys think that they should have gone south to rob to the Techlands? Because I mean, that's like the most logical option, right? The most logical option. With the Greyjoys? That was before Euron showed up. Yeah. Much before Fionn showed up. Hmm. I don't think the Greyjoys did anything, though. Like, when Balon crowned himself king, did they do anything other than go, hey, I'm king? Nope. Pillaged. Mm, pillage is right. I think if anyone's the Vikings in this series, that would be the Greyjoys. They went north instead, right? They went to where there were less people, basically. Right. I just think that if, you know, they, they go north, whoever, whoever wins the Iron Throne, well, they're not going to let the kingdom break up, obviously, right? So, you know, but if they go south with Rob, you know, Rob, you know he couldn't care less. You know, the south broke down, and that's their only chance to go south, right? I mean, if they go north, whoever wins, is, you know, they're going to come south, you know, right? Well, that's true, but logically, you know, a lot of the houses and the men who bid for the king did not make the most logical decisions there. I mean, logically, everybody should have ganged up on the south. The Baratheons could have united. Instead, they killed each other. Or, you know, Renly. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. It would have made sense for the Greyjoys to go south, but I think that they wanted to attack the north while it was weak. Well, yeah, I'm still to... pissed that the whole Stark had his sons holding a grudge. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. And there was a loss of honor there, I think, that Balon Greyjoy basically heads out for this, for the Starks, and I think, I don't know if Theon kind of, I don't know, he was pretty eager to get back to the north and take them out too. Fiona's not 
Theon is not exactly my favourite character in the books. He's kind of a... I can't stand him. Yeah, the spark from... <laughs> well, this is where you and I will be forever divided, guys, because... Oh, prick. <laughs> yeah, he has a prick. Well, I really think it all just goes to show when houses have more pride than sense, this is what happens. Yeah. Mm, obviously, they have their pride. We do not so, correct? Yeah, yeah, they don't. They, they, they just mm-hmm. take. Mm. <laughs> I think Victorin's going to be a cool point of view in the next book. Oh, he is. I hope he totally gets with Danny and screws everything for his brother. There's house fragmentation there for sure, and I like Euron. Do you really? He's a badass. Euron's awesome. I think he's going to be the next major villain. He's a storm. I think he's a womanizer, and I don't approve. They're all womanizers. I don't think there are many womanizers. Asha is a womanizer, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like Asha. Huh? I, I don't. I don't like her. I love her. I think she's annoying, to be honest. <laughs> she's got a pretty hot picture on the Tower of the Hand. <laughs> <laughs> I think every other word that comes out of her mouth is nuncle, and that's why I don't like her. Yeah, fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, can't you just say uncle? Uncle. My number one thing that I hate about the series is that word nuncle. Every time I read it, it just boggles my mind. I do not like Ash's chapters, and I feel like, oh, I don't know. I think she would probably be the best queen for them, logically speaking, because she promised to bring them peace, and I think she could have brought a lot of sense to that house. Uh, I don't think they're ready for a female leader, just like in America. Even if it was borderline creepy, I would have liked to see you know, with Vitarian. <laughs> I like Aaron. I like the guys named after an office chair. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have to say that he's at least, like, damp hair, like he actually... You know, stays in his, you know... Yeah, damp hair. Yeah, the damp hair is pretty awesome. He's pretty interesting. There's a lot of controversy over how his name is pronounced, by the way. Aaron? No, no, damp hair. Oh, damp hair. Yeah, I was I was reading the Facebook group, and people were discussing how it's pronounced, pronounced damp hair. Like, whatever. Oh, Jesus. That's what I thought at first, and then I'm like, oh, it's damp hair. Like, his hair is damp. He's in the water all the time. Damp, damp. <laughs> oh, people get into this fantasy thinking, you know. It must be more difficult than it actually needs to be. God. Well, anyways, he would have been a terrible king, I think. I mean, obviously, he didn't make a go for the throne, but I think it's good that he supports Victorion, and hopefully... You guys think he was sexually abused by you? What? You <laughs> haven't heard that one? Oh, right, really. Wait. Well, are we talking about Dampere? Are we reading the same books? D- Dampere or Vict- Vict- Victoron? No, Euron did something horrible to Euron when he was a kid. A kid, didn't he? That's why he hates him so much. And he remembers door hinges squeaking, so people have linked it to sexual abuse. Wait, so door hinges squeaking is sexual abuse? I never made that connection. Yeah, well, he's, you know, coming... Uh, c- coming to the bedroom at night. Well... It could have been for other reasons. It's not a push for Euron. He did the same thing to Victarion's wife. <laughs> yeah, but that makes a lot more sense because, first of all, it's not incest. And second of all, it's not homosexual. I think homosexual incest eh, tops the list of things that make me go, what? I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of incest and weirdness and Euron is the guy. I don't think this has to be sex. I mean, necessarily sexual, right? I mean, just come in and mess with him and, mm. you know, kill him? He did something. Well, yeah, wait, no, you're right. We, I mean, was that a situation where he cut, threatened to cut his penis off? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I think we're confusing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just see that Euron's a pretty messed up dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, that one. I would say that the Greyjoys used to be quite a powerful family, or at least out of the area, you know, on the Iron Islands they were, right? Well, they also, um, if they had a rebellion against the whole Seven Kingdoms at one point. Well, they're the true Vikings of this world. There's a guy that gets into boats and just goes reaving? Isn't that what they call it? Reaving? Yeah. Yep, mm. the reaver. 
yeah, there's that's also this whole idea that a gift is not given, it's taken or something like that. And yeah, hey, well, you know, don't fear the reaver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the iron price exactly. Whereas Fion didn't really get that. He didn't get the iron price, and he knew that's one of the reasons he didn't get a lot of respect from the rest of the Iron Islanders because he's too soft. Yeah, he just grew up knowing nothing about his culture, and he's like, okay, I'm king now. <laughs> Pretty much. He's kind of a jackass that way, but I guess we all like the Great Joys. We spent the last 15 minutes talking about them. Well, somebody somebody got somebody's penis chopped off, and that's all I have yeah, to say. You know, well, you know, whoever made the board game really loves the Great Joys. I mean, they made them inherently powerful. Maybe that's prophetic. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, Targaryens. And I know we had to get that in before we finish up this discussion because I am a Targaryen fangirl. I really want Danny to come out on top. So. What do you mean, on top? <laughs> well, I just really want her to succeed, I think, in what she wants to do. It's not necessarily that I want to see her on the Iron Throne because... I don't know if she would make the most, I don't think she would be the best ruler technically, but I really want, I don't want her to die, I guess. I want her to be happy, I think. Is that totally queer? I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think she could be happy. She's had her son, her unborn son, killed, aborted or something happened, lost her husband. I think she's driven by other things rather than happiness at this point. There's more of a duty thing going on with her. Yeah, I feel like she's got a lot of the whole entitlement thing going on. Also, there's that fear that she's part of a... Help me with the pronunciation here, the Targaryen... Targaryen. Tar- Targaryen. Yeah, Targaryen blood has this taint of his insanity to it. So there's that worry that sort of unspoken a lot of that somehow she's kind of going crazy. Does she ever get that? Well, that's true, because I know that her father had not necessarily been totally insane from the very beginning, I think. There was time over his reign that he had a slow descent into madness, and that when he wasn't insane, he was very generous. And Viserys obviously was entirely insane, to the detriment of his own well-being. Well, that's just kind of unfair. Hasn't she already shown symptoms of being a little crazy by walking into a fire, though? Well, that's different. When fire is calling you, you have to go. She got a couple dragons out of the deal, though. True. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, you might be okay if dragons... That is the also the first instance of magic we see. One of the first ones in the magic, and it only comes late in the Game of Thrones when we see that, too. Well, before that, you had the Blood Mage. Mm. Yeah, I know, but like I said, I preface myself by saying that was one of, at that point, you still had that crazy ghost thing going on with the cow, Drogo, the cow, <laughs> right? Oh, 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 the call. I was like, there's been a ghost cow? <laughs> Moo. Cow, cow. <laughs> cow. <laughs> it was with Drogo and trying to revive him, but maybe it's the happy magic. That one was rather sinister magic, but this is a form of happy magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how Martin divides them up in his series. Happy magic versus sinister magic. Exactly. Bob Ross can help with that. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, do you think they have rights? I mean, like, to take back the Seven Kingdoms? Do you think they have a claim now? Like, what do you guys think? Well, the... Of course they have a claim. But in the sense that everyone has some sort of claim. Yeah. I think there's a general idea that the Targaryens are the rightful rulers because they've got dragons. Well... I don't know what the dragons signify, really, as far as their sense of entitlement, other than the fact that they can burn a whole shit ton of people. They certainly do burn a lot of people. <laughs> Aren't they the nuclear bombs of Westeros? And they're also <laughs> going to need dragons later, because nobody has obsidian anymore. So they're going to need that to, for making obsidian blades to kill the others. Right, I definitely, that's a 
definitely fed up to where the Targaryens and their fire with their dragons versus the others. Why aren't they mining a bunch of obsidian out of Dragonstone? Well, they are, but you have to keep in mind, Dragonstone's been taken already. Oh, you're, oh, you're right. Yeah, right. That's that's where Loras totally got screwed. So I think um, if, if there was mining, it would stop because we, King's Landing is not very... They don't pay much attention to that because they don't know the issues of the wall, whereas Stannis did. Yeah, I didn't. I For some reason, I wasn't tying that together until you just mentioned that, but yeah. Yeah, and also Stannis did mention that they got different colored dragonglass or obsidian, which is something that I was thinking about as to why the colors become important. The, the ones they found north of Wall weren't black, were they? Yeah. Right. Well, isn't obsidian by nature black? Well, not necessarily. Um, in real life, yeah, but... I'm not being a smart rush here. I'm just being practical. Well, in real life, yes. But Stannis talks about different colors being found, like greens and purples and just a whole bunch of things. Ooh, there's rainbow obsidian. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if that, you know... Shows you how much you know. (laughs) We're not talking reality here. We're talking about happy magic. Isn't this reality fantasy? (laughs) 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 Well, you can argue that, but how real is some of the shit that happens, honestly? I'm just being a smartass. One of the characters. <laughs> yeah, I think the reality is when the characterization is, which it's where it should be in fantasy, to be honest. Yeah, that's truly what makes this, this series interesting, is that it's less about dark versus evil and these unnamed, unknowable forces, and it's about characters that just happen to exist in an environment where these things are possible. Yeah, I always like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a thing my friend once said is it's like coming up with all these good characters and just putting them into a system, and then you like let them go and they interact. Like that, that's that's what the book. That's pretty much pretty much you're right. And in any other plot or device or whatever, it would still be really interesting. I think just because of all the clashes. But okay, well, moving on because we've talked for about forty minutes just about the houses in general. I want to know who you guys thought would really epitomize the Game of Thrones. Like, which character in particular? Could you expand on that a little bit? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is my stab at keeping true to the format of the podcast and wanted to do a, a zoom in on one particular character. So, who do you think is really controlling the Game of Thrones? Vita? Well, not the spider or Illyrio. Iris is up there, too. Mm, there's no one player that is owning it right now. There's a few masters. Because I felt that Tywin was doing a really good job before he unceremoniously got killed on the pot. And with manipulating the phrase and the Boltons, right? I think he did a really good job. He even manipulated the Mountain Clans. True story. But it was basically Varys that got him killed, am I correct? Yeah, well, he showed him how to get into the, showed him the secret ways, right? The secret way under the bed that could let him basically break into his chambers and shoot him on the pot, shoot him, <laughs> shoot him on the throne. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's necessarily that Tyrion would have gone after Tywin if Jamie hadn't exposed Tywin's secret or whatever. I feel that if Jamie hadn't said anything, that Tyrion would have just bowed out gracefully and just left and. Tywin would still be up to his shenanigans. Yeah, I think I think Jamie was a pawn there. I think Varys is the one, even though he's sort of denies it. He's like, don't go off, and and then like don't go like that way, and then like that way because you just don't want to do that. And he tells them exactly where to go. Right? It's kind of like a reverse psychology. Yeah, I guess that's true. Varys was a pretty astute manipulator. Well, Jamie didn't put that. Um... He wouldn't. Jamie didn't put the motive in him. It was sort of like Jamie was talking out of turn and explaining things basically like something slipped that he shouldn't have. You really see Tyrion just loose up because you're right, he was on his way, he was just going to leave. And then he meets up with his brother, brothers taken to, oh, this is what happened. Let's go up and kill my father, (laughs) change his mind halfway through. Who gave him that crossbow? 
Oh, he found it. He found it in the Tower of the Hand. It's really weird that he picked a crossbow, right? Why do you think it's weird that he picked a crossbow? Well, that's just a really random thing to kill someone with, I think. Yeah, it's a difficult use, though. Well, yeah, that's true. I, I always wondered if he's... Uh, did he say anything about where the crossbow come from? Like, if it was Mirish or... Because I know that he gives Jeff, he gives Joffrey a Mirish crossbow. Wasn't it a, it wasn't a full bro, a full blown crossbow, right? It was just a hand, uh, single hand crossbow. Yeah, for for a tiny man hands maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a chest in the room, like so, like some people have said that there was a chest in the room to help him get at it. Like, did he go in the chest or something? Yeah. Yeah, he climbed up. He climbed up on the chest to get the weapon, uh, which is definitely a setup tactic right there. And the fact that Shay was in there as well, right? Yeah, that that whole thing was because it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're veering off topic, but but uh, you know, was was she placed that there? You think, or what was going on? No, well, his father just decided to sleep with her. <laughs> Good taste there. Well, I mean, uh, there was a question that her legs were off. Yeah, Tywin's just a hypocrite. Yeah, well, there's two schools of thought here, I think. I want to actually talk about that because what did he condemn Tyrion for all that time? Sleeping with whores and guess who he finds in the the bed? (laughs) To be fair, though, he also hated Tyrion since he was born for killing his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the horror thing is just a cover-up for his bias against handicapped people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jamie, after he came back with a stump, or wait, no, wasn't he dead after Jamie came back? Yeah, something like that. No, he's still alive. He thought that he wouldn't be a white cloak anymore, but then that didn't turn out. Oh, that's true. Well, okay, so there's two schools of thought here. One is that Tywin is just a hypocrite and totally making it with whores all over the place. Or that Shay was definitely planted there and Shay being summoned to the Tower of the Hand or whatever is a good setup for Tywin's death, basically. Because if anything would have set off Tyrion, that would have been it. Like, there's there's also the idea that Tywin just likes whores, which... Well, it's kind of weird if if he would go for his midget son's floppy second. That's uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think that you know maybe he was not necessarily getting seeing horns. He just didn't want to take them public or something. Maybe Shay was really really hot. Mm. <laughs> That's a possibility too. He got a good look at her during the trial, so <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know I. Oh. When Tyrion, when she starts testifying at the trial, that seriously just broke my heart for Tyrion. Well, I mean, that part was, yeah, but less. It was awful. He made her do unnatural things and used her mouth and... For for all her other parts. Was it the Viper who was just like, what sort of things? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Viper is a perv. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we all know that. Mm. The only reason why the Viper has to had to die was so Tyrion had to go into exile. That makes me angry. That's the only thing that I hold against Tyrion. Hot point, shake my fist at him. <laughs> it was the Viper's fault. I was totally going somewhere with this. We were talking about Game of Thrones and you had a good idea earlier that you were saying who personal personally or was I don't know if you want to approach this now Mimi oh yeah okay sure stop me if you oh, no absolutely what if we had a chance to join one of these houses who would you align yourself with well obviously the winning house I think the Lannisters are out the window there but does anyone have an idea well let's just take your opinion first Mimi <laughs> well put me on the spot I don't know man Yep, that's your idea. Who would you align yourself with? Houses, I mean. Daenerys, would you align yourself with her house? Or would you align yourself with the Greyjoys or the Starks or the Boltons? Who? 
Well, it's kind of tricky, and I would, you know, fangirl in me wants to say that I would be a Targaryen because dragons and shit, but I just, she's too visible, and I feel, especially with her whole new Abe Lincoln slave revolt thing going on, that it's a little, I don't know, she's, she's derailing, basically, and I think if I had to pick anyone, it would be the Martells, because they've been silent and seemingly cooperative the whole time. That was my choice. Good, we'll be Martells and we'll be Sand Snakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, expand on that. Why do you think Martell Martells, Ashley? What's your It's safer down there. It's safer in Dorn. I just want to avoid the fighting. <laughs> yeah, we're pansies. My fan answer would be go to the wall, because they're all just badasses, every single one of them up there. But I really if I really had to choose it'd be the Martells. Just because it's it's like hardly everybody knows what's going on down there for being so... They're really going to be dangerous in the future if they start mobilizing. How about you? I mean, what do you think? Oh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd probably once again go with the Martells for two main reasons. The Dornish women and the Dornish food. You like lemons? <laughs> lemons and oranges? Not, not oranges. Well, they seem like a mix of Spain and Morocco sort of area, so that seems like a very interesting area. Ugh, Dornish women sound hairy, and that is all I have to say about that. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I wouldn't mind the Tyrells either. I think the Tyrells are saviors. Like, they might not end up on the throne, but I just, like, I think they'll be around at the end. Like, Old Town's still going to be around. Well, do you think the Vale of, of Iron might be a safer place? I don't like the weather up there. <laughs> and I want to say Stark, but... I mean, I thought about it, and if if I really wanted to be protected, and I think being close to Littlefinger is a good idea, I think Sansa's really re- well protected where she is. I mean, obviously she's... You want to be close to Littlefinger? Uh, <laughs> oh no, I'm not into facial hair, but I really think that he's got an upper hand on things. That would be the place to go if you're interested in safety, because I feel like, again, that the Eerie is unimpregnable. Well, t- didn't they have to leave the Eerie, if I remember? Well, no, he's still there, and he's under contract to say in a year, if he hasn't restored the veil to its rats, then he'll step down. But we know he's not going to. He's got this whole plot taking everybody down, who, you know, all the bannermen who stand against him. But, yeah, that would, that would be a good place to go. I just think. We're all going to stay in Dorn, I guess. But what about what about you, Chris? If we didn't hear from you. Well, I have two answers. One of them is kind of joking, and the other is kind of serious. If I was going to choose a house, I'd probably pick the Greyjoys as that. At that point, at the end of the fe- uh, feast for crows, I think Euron's going to be a. Uh, Euron's a pretty good leader. He's kind of like the crazy leader, but you also have a lot of good men there as well. Well, there's a lot of crazy leaders. What's that? There's a lot of crazy leaders in this series. Yeah, I like Aeron, I like Euron, and I like Victorian. So I think they're all capable people. Plus you get to be a crazy raving Viking, which is would be kind of fun. <laughs> We'd be down there ripping the red veins a new asshole. You'd probably make it with Asha too. I hear things. But the thing is, Asha, yeah, Asha's pretty hot. It's always a bonus, yeah. <laughs> Although, I, yeah, she's pretty tough, though. I don't know if she... But my joke answer, and it's it's not really a joke answer, it's kind of half-joke, half-serious. I'd like to head off to Old Town and become a meister. A meister? Meister, oh. M- meister. Meister, excuse me. That kind of idea that the just exists outside of the game of houses really appeals to me plus i like scholarship but in general i think the whole idea of this whole town dedicated to learning it's really cool yeah sort of like the byzantium of westeros maybe in a way yeah but less politically inclined yeah it's a place of learning to me it's like egypt in egypt the library of alexandria or something like that People just go to learn, and you can learn magic from crazy people, or you can 
learn how to melt metals or learn how to talk to crows and crap like that <laughs> if you want. The whole idea of that is kind of cool. Or a second joke answer, I'd like to be with the Tarleys because I want to hang out with Sam. Well, I don't think Sam hangs out with the Tarleys too much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, I think you would have to slaughter deer and stuff with his dad, but Randall Tarley seems like kind of a badass, to be honest. Randall Tarley is a jerk. Oh, dude, no. I know he's a jerk, and he's telling Brian to get raped, and he's trying to kill his son and stuff, but he's really tough, and Kevin suggests to Cersei that you would make you make him hand, especially in war times, and that would be a really good idea. He's he's a great military man, and I have some respect for Randall Tarley as far as being a good leader. Tyrell's equivalent to Tywin. Exactly, exactly right. I mean, he's a bannerman, right, to to the Tyrells. The Tarleys are bannermen to Tyrells. Yeah, so Tarleys might be a good place to go. They're not exactly a Tyrell, but they're supporting the cause. And that might be a safe haven as well. But, yeah, Old Town is an interesting place. I don't know if I'd necessarily want to be a maester because it looks like, I mean, would you want to be conventional maester or go with Marwyn? Well, I'd probably, at this point, I don't know enough about Marwyn. Marwyn definitely sounds very interesting, but I like the idea of he's this sort of outside the general realm of maesters. Yeah, Marwyn's very... He's kind of like outcast Marwyn. Yeah, there's also the theory that Jack and Hagar is with him as well. Yeah, the alchemist. The alchemist. Yeah, the faceless. They seem like they got something going on there, so too. So, you know, might not be a bad place to go. He's able to light the obsidian candle. Oh, he is. That's obsidian again. What's up with that? Well, is that just because of dragons? I don't know, but it's an obsidian candle, and guess what? Stone don't burn. <laughs> it's that we got a real burning obsidian candle. I don't know. I like that little detail how he's given Obsidian this sort of quality to it that hasn't fully... Well, before, uh, before Jake and Hagar got there. Yeah, that's, that's true, because there have been people saying somehow about Obsidian's burning again. I don't know. I just, sort, I just know that part of the training for learning magic or forging that chain was making a candle of Obsidian burn, which was really not something that's very easy to do considering it's a stone but that's my answer old town and the great choice and then the rest of us just chilling in door and eating peppers and shit <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a bunch of band wagoners as i see <laughs> well i started it <laughs> <laughs> i like the martells even from game of thrones I think they were there, and they were described in there, right? I think I remember that, or reading some background or something. Yeah, yeah. I would have wanted to go to Storm if the Viper had stayed alive, but now that he's dead, I'm not really into them. (laughs) 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 Being attacked, I'd hang out at Highgarden, though. I'd I'd like that place. Yeah, well, who's in Highgarden right now? I think Elena went back, right? And Willis is there... In High Garden right now, I was, I was hoping we'd see more from Willis Terrell actually. Me too. Beaver. He's also a, I hate the word cripple, but he's also handicapped. Yes, yes, he is, and that's because the Lannisters again, right? Hmm. Bad history of, with that, don't they? Nobody likes the Lannisters, man. They've made enemies everywhere. Yeah, it was the Martells that fuck that shit, wasn't it? Yeah, the Martells. Oh, it was the Martells, that's right. Oh, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think the whole thing was Willis is in a good relationship with the Viper, even though they had a good relationship. Hmm. The people that thought they hated each other, but they actually... uh, Oh, oh, yeah, this happens. Things happen. Uh, The Viper is bisexual, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you said he had a good relationship with Willis, and I didn't know what direction that was going in. Well, they, 
They may not have ever met in person, but the Tyrells and the Martells might have closer ties than it seems. They have other... (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. Which of the Seven Kingdoms has the coolest bastard name? (laughs) (laughs) Snow? Sand? Well, flowers, obviously. Flowers? Storm. I like Storm. Yeah, I think with the Baratheon area, Storm's End has the coolest. Yeah, Storm's End and Dragonstone. Yeah, like Edric Storm, he sounds awesome. It's a cool name. It is a cool name. Well, well, what's that? What's that? What's that? The the the, the Targaryen tar, tar, tar one, the the Blackfire, is it? Hmm, I don't know about. I never heard that one. Hmm. Yeah, no, the Blackfire was. He was a bastard, I remember that. They let him take that name, though that's like a special case. I don't think that was ever brought up, but just because the Targaryens at that point... Aren't they going to legitimize bastards? To be formally legitimized or otherwise, you're just not going to be considered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, sorry. There's that whole rebellion thing because they couldn't decide. Wait, wait. I thought it was waters for Targaryens because Princess Elena, Targaryen, bastard children by Lord Oakenfist took the name waters. That might be true. Don't forget, dragon is stone, so... Yeah! Hmm. I don't know. I think Pike is kind of cool, too. They've all got pretty interesting names. Named after a fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is George R. R. Marlin, so I guess it all works out. <laughs> Snow is cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. God. Well, we've passed the... Uh... You're never going to let me live that down. Unless it's not recorded. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. One of these days. One day we'll explain that joke to people. Well, we don't have to explain. If you just say it next time, make it easier on everyone. <laughs> and so that concludes our Song of Ice and Fire podcast by George R. R. Marlin. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think that about sums it up for our first podcast, talking about various houses. We've established that we're all Martell fangirls and fanboys. No, I stand outside of that. Oh, oh, yes, Chris. Chris wants to be a maester. <laughs> Or a Viking, or a Viking. We do not so. <laughs> Maester or Viking, yes, those are very similar things. Okay, well, I think we're about done. This has been, I guess we're calling it, the Ice and Fire podcast. Podcast of Ice and Fire. There you go. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.